Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Angie Stone with Brother, starting today's special edition of Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. Yes, it's an hour of music from the Shapers in the world of jazz, soul and blues, but today we revisit a former guest who's back with us right now. Our guest on Jazz Shapers Encore is the man who founded Quintessentially. It's Ben Elliott. Quintessentially, of course, is the high-end concierge service, and the idea for the business, in case you didn't know, came after Elton John requested one of the founders to go and buy Christmas cracker fillers, and for that pleasure, gave him a few hundred thousand pounds, reportedly, in cash. Quintessentially, the business soon followed back in 2000. 13 years later, and Ben was on this very show, and today, five years on from that, we'll find out what he's achieved since then. On top of finding out what he's achieved, we'll also find out what Quintessentially has been up to. That's all coming up in the next 50-odd minutes, along with some words of advice for your business from our programme partners at Mishkondorea and music, as I said earlier, from jazz shapers, both past and present. And right now, first up, it's Mongo Santa Maria with Green Onions. That was Mongo Santa Maria with Green Onions. And right here, as I said on, on Jazz Shapers, I've got an encore, a special guest um, here in uh, Jazz FM. And it's Ben Elliott. He's one of the founders of Quint, essentially. Um, you heard earlier, I interviewed him five years ago. Doesn't look a day older. I can say that, Ben, because no one can actually see you. Well, you know, I'm, you're just being very sweet. And I am. I'm lying. Yeah, you are, but don't worry. I'm not okay. lying. Nobody, do, no, nobody can see me. You do look the same. Five years on, um, thank you, firstly, for coming back in. Thank you very much. It's really hard, isn't it, when someone says, what did you do last week, let alone what you've been doing for five years? But what have you been doing for five years? What's happened uh, in the, what's happened I've been in the working, business? I've been working hard. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you about what, what we tried to achieve, um, not just here in the UK and globally. Uh, I've been working hard at being a, a good husband and father. Uh, last time I saw you, I didn't have many of those responsibilities. I do have two sons and a marvellous wife. And uh, and funny enough, and I'm sure it's the same for anyone when they be, get to be a father, and people talk to you, say, oh, beforehand, um, uh, things change but actually when you do become a father you really start looking at the world that you l- live in uh, and what is important and there are many things that being a father have, have changed to, I mean I've always tried to be a responsible person a responsible citizen but um, I think I've accelerated that because um, it makes you very clearly black and white uh, see how lucky perhaps they are compared to how unlucky um, some other people are. I mean, even though five years ago, I recall you and people that know you and know of you will know that you've always had a very strong philanthropic um, focus and a thrust to your to your life. Probably what's happened is the theory has been accelerated into practice. 
Yes, I absolutely feel that. I mean, I, I believe, and there are many uh, better um, exponents of this than myself, that if you have a good business and you have committed people who uh, work for you and you have committed uh, customers, uh, it's brilliant to bring them to places or things or charities that you think are important. And uh, I can bang on relentlessly about the things that I'm involved with and why I think they're important, but... Uh, I feel very clearly in this city we're sitting in London that that um, uh, we live in that uh, there's some huge social problems which the state certainly can't uh, deal with for all sorts of reasons. And I think that businesses uh, can really um, partner with charities to accelerate um, their progress and success. So if you're interested... And I am, and I want to come on to that because I sure. think it's always been, uh, as, as I said earlier, that part that, that was there even then and all the time I've known you. Mm. I want to talk about the business for a bit. Well, I want to start there because, as you said, you have no platform without a successful business because it's very hard to, to have any traction and have the freedom to, to spend time doing other things. I want you to have a listen back to this. You said this when we first met five years ago about your approach to business. I just want to see if you still feel it today. If you're going to set up a business, you've got to be excited about it. You've got to take pleasure in what you do. You've got to kind of skip to work in the morning. And that old-fashioned thing, that if, if you have your own business um, and, and you take pride in it, it's a great, great um, privilege to, 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 to run your own business, to do those things. And it comes, of course, with great responsibility. It's about good people, good committed people working hard. Now, in there, I think re in a revealing way, you talk about skipping to work, you talk about loving what you do, and then you also talk about responsibility, which immediately is where you started. Tell me, do you still skip to work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit, maybe a little more clumsy um, in that I've got two dogs and two children. So when I've you know done my bit on that, I, I'm probably um, a bit more shambolic than I, I used to be. But absolutely, I, I skip bloody hard. And... Um, I'm still excited about uh, quintessentially uh, what opportunities that has created for, for, for me and the people that work there and some of the other things that have come from that. So, yes, uh, um, uh, there's an adage. There's a, my mum gave me a poster once, which is um, work hard and be nice to people. And if you do those things um, and you enjoy what you're doing, uh, then you can feel that. And, and anyone who unfortunately comes across me will know that I definitely work hard and I try and be nice to people, although sometimes I'm sure that people can get bored of my um, relentlessness, perhaps. In those five years, you talk about being relentless, Ben. What changes have you affected in the quintessentially business? What's happened that's that, that hadn't happened then? Well, I, I, I think that we brought many of the peop people on who had started with us in maybe more junior positions into more senior positions. I mean, my meeting this morning was with a lady who started in our Athens office, who then um, came to work um, with us in London, is now um, running, has been running our US business, and we're asking her to run other businesses for us. Her whole life has been from university to, to working only with us. And it's amazing to see some really young, talented people given opportunities. And and I, I think strongly about this. You know, I know there's huge criticism in the, in the workplace about the millennial generation, about how they're not prepared to stick something out. Well, that's an absolute example of a, a lady who's really kind of gone through the ranks and now is in charge of our largest market and will end up running lots of stuff for us. So I, I, I think as a business gets bigger 
Um, uh, of course, there are more challenges when your business becomes larger and, and more global. But what I feel thrilled about um, is that we brought on some of young talent and are now giving them more opportunities to do mm. stuff. Um, in regards to how I think about it, I don't think about it that differently. Other than that, uh, the people that, like um, the lady I talked about, if you're giving them more responsibility, then uh, that's a good thing um, because not everybody wants to be uh, dealing with somebody like me. In terms of dealing with someone like you, then, you talked about the internal piece and talent. The thing that strikes me about you is, and that I always love about the way you've gone about it, is you think big. You're fearless in the sense of, I'm going to get Stormzy, and Stormzy's going to come to my fundraiser. I'm going to get the biggest names in the industries. I just don't care. I'm going to pick up the phone and ask them. Where does that deep inner confidence and sense of fearlessness come from? Because it, people, you know, there is that old adage about going big, and we all want to do it but very few of us actually do it and I think you do well incredibly generous and kind of you to say that and um, my mother and father would ask the same question and often ask the same <laughs> question, uh, qu- question you're not uh, us uh, uh, um, uh, allegedly and uh, when I was a child and I, I've got two sisters who um, also probably would sign up to my parents view on me I was always the the, the child that would go and um uh if I was doing a newspaper round, I didn't want to just do it for the village that I lived in. I wanted to do it for the three villages next door to us. And it wasn't, I don't know, I was always that thing. I mean, I'm doing next week my 10th cycle ride for charity where I corral people into into doing stuff. And each year it gets more difficult, even though I'm getting older. And I spoke to a friend of mine last night, and we're going to the Tyrol Valley in Austria, going up the toughest mountains. And they're like, why do you keep on doing that? And I've just always been somebody who... Uh, doesn't spend much time reflecting, which might be a, a wrong thing, on what one's doing, but thinking, okay, how can we push this forward and what can we do more um, in, in that way? I used to do magic shows as a child. Um, my stage name um, was Merlin the Marvel, and um, the, the customers were my schoolmates in Dorset, where I'm from. And I asked my parents about this recently, and, and they said, well, you started out, you were really appalling, and you were really, really appalling at the end, but the only reason why you got away with it is you had some patter, and uh, that when it was going badly, you bribed the audience with sweets. And, you know, children are, as we know, easily bribable when candy's involved. And I, I don't know, I'm, um, it's nice that you said that, but um, I'm always trying to push and uh, whether that's to do with business or to do with philanthropy or some of the political things, I think, you you know, that's what I'm like. And, and uh, I'm sure there are consequences of that, but I don't think I'm going to change. Stay with me for Merlin the Marvel, my business shaper today, <laughs> a.k.a. Ben Elliott. Um, he's got a lot more tales to tell about why he is who he is and how that impacts his business and uh, the wider world. Uh, before that, though, we've got some words of wisdom, I hope, uh, from our programme partners at Mishkondorat for your burgeoning business. Hi, I'm Richard Leadham, Head of Insurance Litigation at Mishkondorat. We have clients who come to us who have claims against insurance companies, and often they face the problem themselves, which is why they need to claim. And they're very concerned about the cost of bringing that claim. And what I say to them is, don't worry about the cost of it. There's a concept out there called litigation funding, where funders will come in. um, If you've got a good claim, we'll back your claim, invest in it. And yes, they want a cut of what you recover. But in return, they cover the costs of your litigation. So you don't have to worry about something which is a real worry to a lot of clients. There's a pretty sophisticated market out there of funders who I've worked with over the years. They access private money 
university funds, property funds and hedge funds and the rest of it. And litigation is seen as quite a good investment to make at a time when investment returns generally for capital are really low, whereas a, a funder can get 25-30% back from a piece of litigation. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, and I hope you're enjoying today's programme. There are lots more ways that you can listen to the hundreds of guests that I've had on the programme, apart from Ben Elliott today. You can ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers, and there you can hear lots of the recent programmes, including today's After 10, or if you put Jazz and Shapers into iTunes, you'll get the full archive to enjoy. Right now here, though, I've got Ben Elliott. He's our Encore Edition special, and we've been talking about Ben's relentlessness, uh, Merlin the Marvel, <laughs> and just the inner drive that you, you're you just going to keep going. You're going to do stuff, and, and that sense of anything's possible. We talked a little bit about business. Um, you mentioned politics. I wanted to come on mm. to that. When we first met uh, uh, back five years ago, you also had a few words to say about this. Have, have a listen. Are you going to become a politician? Uh, I've certainly, uh, I've certainly been thinking about it a lot um, for different reasons. I mean, business is—that's uh, uh, what I love doing, um, and and I think that you give people great opportunities, as I've discussed with you before, by helping them set up in business and those things. And and I think that agenda, uh, which everybody's talking at the moment, at the moment isn't being driven through hard enough in terms of a, a kind of central political level. Whether it's actually me deciding to go into politics to do that i'm a bit confused at the moment and i'm taking advice from from sage-like people in regards to um london the city that i I live in i I had great fortune to help um on the diamond jubilee a a lot this year and there's some other projects that um that i would very much like to help the mayor on so back then you talked about politics obviously it it's important to you. You said at that time you were taking soundings. Since then, you've been involved with Zach Goldsmith's campaign. If people didn't know, some may know um, as uh, a key person supporting him and raising funds and so on and so forth. Not successful on that front. But you, Ben Elliott, are we going to see Ben Elliott MP in the near future? Five years ago, I didn't have a family. And uh, when you have a family, you have to start thinking about them. And I know from friends of mine of politicians that being a frontline politician is very difficult for people's families. So I'm making a the decision that I'm going to make soon. I will I make as a husband and father when beforehand I was making it alone. So to answer your question, I feel very, very uh, politically committed at the moment. I think it's a very, very difficult time in our country, not just because of Brexit, um, but even in the city we live in, there's huge social uh, unease at the moment. And I, I've seen that in first hand on two charities that I work with, um, with my own hands um, uh, on a weekly basis. And I think the Grenfell moment in June of last year really uh, forced people who didn't, who beforehand perhaps might have swept under the carpet, that there is huge, huge social problems that the state can help with, but um, but also charities. So the question, that, to answer your question in a roundabout way, if I think I can be more effective in helping drive change outside of politics, then I will do that. If I think that actually that being a frontline politician, I can make more change, then I'll go and do that. It strikes me that... Um that the social unease, 
your question really is can I is the best remedy for Ben Elliott to help that either inside the political structure or outside of it and it strikes me that an entrepreneur like you someone who isn't constrained by anyone else's rules someone who goes big as I said might well find that being an MP is too constricting well you have to toe the party line uh, and um, I am somebody who who says what I think and I'm sure that can be irritating for, for other people I've got very involved in the last year in a think tank, which I think hopefully this year we'll, you'll see the fruits of our labour, which is called the Centre for Policy Studies. And uh, I feel if you think about what the CPS did in the late 70s uh, under Keith Joseph's leadership, it came up with extraordinary positive policies that it, it dealt with um, – uh, things like uh, the right to people to own their own council home. Uh, it dealt with privatization. It dealt with um, some of the deregulation. Lots of things that uh, created all sorts of opportunities for people in this country. And I feel, of course, the debate is mired in the quagmire that is Brexit. So with the CPS, we're going to try and come up with two or three things, one related to uh, welfare, one related to this housing issue. That and I, you know, I see that with the people that work with me. On a good, decent salary, how could you ever... I mean, my generation, I'm 42. If you worked hard and saved, you could get on the property ladder. That is beyond people now. And uh, I think that's a real, real problem. So I think there are solutions, some pretty innovative silver bullet solutions that could um, uh, really get people on the housing ladder, which don't relate to just you know creating more housing stock, but actually giving them all sorts of... Um, legs up that perhaps they don't currently have. So uh, I feel that crafting some policy or helping craft some policy um, is very, very important. Whether I go and then help deliver that in a frontline uh, political way, I don't know. But I'm trying my hardest, I promise you. Ben Elliott's my business shaper today. We've been talking about politics and having a manifesto, whether you're in, in it or not in it. I suppose we're all in, in it in some way. We've talked a little bit about business. I want to talk about specifically charity, which is not unrelated because that social unease which you identify yeah. is at the centre of everything. Mm. You are very active. There are people that say, well, I give money. You give your time. And it's not just charity. I mean, I, uh, for those people that don't know, Ben, um, chair of his own foundation, which is all well and good, but is also a trustee uh, at the VNA. Victoria and Albert uh, sits on the development board of the Royal Albert Hall. I think you're also involved with the Aranda Rothschild Foundation, mm. um, a non-exec of YouGov. I mean, there's quite a lot of stuff, Ben. I mean, before we go into charities, like, how do you ask this of people who involve lots of things? You're a co-founder and partner at Hawthorne, the communications agency. How do you find the time to do all this stuff, or isn't it like that for you? Uh, Don't you go slightly that- crazy looking left and right and go, I've got a minute. I've got no time to think deeply and clearly about these things. Well, I'm lucky. At the weekend, um, I'm I'm able to reflect and and spend time, intense time with my family. We have a house um, in the West Country, and that's a retreat. But if you, I've always been somebody, as we've talked before, who wants to get involved, and I wouldn't ever get involved in something if I felt that I was going to let somebody down or not deliver or not push it forward. And hopefully, all of those organisations, be they charities or businesses, would say that I'm a force of good. And if they didn't, um, I'd be the first to put my hand up and, and say, "Okay, this isn't for me." But uh, I would never ever accept. Um, to get involved in something if I felt I couldn't move it in, in, and help it either grow as a business or, uh, I mean, enormous. Also, I've learned lots of things from it. I mean, you learn stuff from people. Going on the board of the, the Victorian Albert Museum, which I think is the greatest museum of art and design on our planet, 
uh, at a time where it's really changing. That we're, you know, we've opened, we're opening in Dundee, we've opened in China, we've got in um, uh, in East London, we've got the new V&A East, which will open over the next couple of years. He's got a brilliant uh, a new leader in, in Dr. Tristan Hunt. To be part of all of that and to help them think through some of that is amazing, and see some of the minds and. And energy of the people. I've I've learned stuff, so I I try and go in either um, to help in a very specific thing, but also help hoping that I I get something back myself. And never overwhelmed. You. No, no, no. I'm not. Uh, 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 so I look. I was a bit intimidated when I went to my first board meeting of the VNA because it's a venerable institution. But no, what you realise. Uh, the people there are lots of people who talk about stuff in life, and my feeling is 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 you can talk about stuff forever, but unless you're prepared to roll up your sleeves and get something done, there's no point in being there. And uh, hopefully, all the people involved in that would be say, "I am somebody who rolls up my sleeve." So, it, it, I, yes, of course, uh, any business person or any related charity has got demands on their time, and sometimes something gives. Uh, I feel a bit nervous at the moment because I'm going on a, my 10th annual cycle ride and trying to fit in cycle training with trying to be a good father, husband, business partner, you know, philanthropist is sometimes uh, demanding. You know, you can get nervous and worried about that. Um, but I feel thrilled um, to really work in a collaborative way with a charity here in London, which I think will hopefully um, develop across the UK, uh, which revolves around food waste. And I want to and I want to hold that thought because I want to talk about properly. Uh, and I know we're going to run out of time if we don't just pause there for a moment. Going to have that final chat with Ben, and we're going to talk all about the important topic of food waste and probably other charitable stuff that Ben is involved in. Uh, that's coming up in about uh, sorry. That's come up in a few minutes. And in about 15 minutes' time, just so you know and you're listening tightly, um, we'll be crossing to Glyme Place for the start of our weekend's coverage of the Love Supreme Jazz Festival. So we'll play a song from Sunday's main stage headliner. That's Earth, Wind and Fire coming up next. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Shine and start for you to see what your life can truly be. Shine and start for you to see what your life can truly be. Shine and start for you to see what your life can truly be. That was Earth, Wind and Fire with Shining Star, soon to be on the Love Supreme Jazz Festival main stage. Ben Elliott, just for a few more minutes, is my encore guest, and we've gone through, rattled through a bunch of stuff, and um, Merlin the Marvel <laughs> is here. We haven't got him dressed up, but um, I hope you can feel the passion that this man has and the, the sense of, and his own belief, which is really, really important. Right, we've got, I want to go back to food waste, and I want to mm. talk about you doing things. You yeah. talk about people, some people talk, talk about stuff, some people do. You've been doing stuff. Tell me about what you've been doing. So uh, the Phoenix Project came into my life through a friend of mine who uh, unfortunately lost his son. And in honour of his son, uh, he remembers his son, who was a privileged kid, um, playing against some kids who were less privileged. And he remembers very clearly his son buying some Cornettos for the kids afterwards. And he's a brilliantly sophisticated entrepreneur. And he realised uh, that there is a huge problem in this country, that we have masses of waste, okay, masses of food waste, some um, which is imposed upon us by regulation and legislation that says this food is off. When we all know at home, if you smell it, that you could eat that probably for another week. But what it happens is you've suddenly got mountains of stuff that has to be thrown away. So he set up the Felix Project, which takes that food waste 
and ask volunteers, people like myself, to go and drive a van and then deliver it to charities that need it. And the charities that need it, I mean, there's a galling fact here in London that 70,000 children don't have breakfast every day. So we work with breakfast clubs for children. Uh, we work with old people's homes. We work with homeless shelters. Uh, we worked a, lo- a lot in West London with the Rugby Portobello Trust, which is the main arterial charity that benefited or, you know, was the, uh, that worked with um, most of the survivors and families after the Grenfell tragedy of last year. And what I've done is, is um, uh, raise lots of money, hopefully raise lots of awareness. I mean, I'm taking 60 people cycling up Austrian mountains for them. I've I wanted to be there. You, next but time I, you will, honey. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there are, we, we do, you know, extravagant carol concerts. Um, but most importantly, I've been conjoling CEOs of businesses to, to uh, alert their staff about it. There's 193 staff of, uh, who work with me in London who volunteer every week for the Felix Project. This is just from the Quincentrally family. And there are some other bigger, larger corporates that I've taken the CEOs and we've gone and driven the van and done the stuff and say, look, actually, you can give... Um, maybe three or four extra days to your staff to come and do something like this. One, you become a better um, corporation and a better citizen and tick that box of CSR, which they pretend to tick. But more importantly, your staff and millennial staff care about this more, will think better about you. They will be more productive when they come to work, knowing that their organisation has a role in protecting and helping people who are less uh, fortunate and more disadvantaged uh, than them. And the more I can get people to do it, and the more they experience it, the more they love it, the better the charity's going to be, the better our society's going to be. The state can't do all of that. I mean, if you think about it, one of the bad things of, of, the, of the last year's election is they had a pledge that they were going to do breakfast clubs for children, and they decided actually um, uh, they, they couldn't afford it. I personally think that's wrong. Mm. Um, but uh, charities like this can pick up the slack. And also what I would love to be involved with is, for instance, in Spain and Italy, you're, um, sorry, France and Italy, uh, the, st- the state either penalizes or incentivizes supermarkets, companies uh, not to do it. So they don't have that problem. I'd love to be part of the movement uh, that would change, uh, change the law so that there would not be hungry people mm. in our society. Last question, Ben, before we have to let you go, and it's been brilliant having you back. Thank you. Um, London in 2012 was one of the most positive places you could be on the planet. We're in 2018. Um, it's Everyone's feeling quite different. You mm. personally, how mm. positive are you about what's going to happen? Mm. And if, you're, if people listening aren't positive, what would you recommend? Well, I, I, like you, 2012 was a very, very special year and you had to pinch yourself. We were literally on, a, on, on this planet that we live in, you know, the UK was brand number one. This country is still the greatest country on our planet. Uh, and we have to remind ourselves of it. Just because we're going to go through a divorce of kind um, with Europe, it does feel very uneasy. And the reason why it feels most uneasy is that lots of people since 2008 have had no um, uh, growth in their income. And yet assets are, are clearly um, uh, way more expensive. So we are living in a more divided society. But there was a moment, and there are moments. I mean, I went to America the day after Prince Harry got married to, to Meghan Markle. But what it reminded us all for a moment is this country has some attributes which nobody else has. And so I think rather than beating ourselves up, we've got to get out on the front foot and go and tell 
uh, the world that's still the 2012 of the UK is uh, still in our hearts and minds. Vote Ben Elliott. Yeah. Ben, enjoy the bike ride, raise lots of money. We're all supporting you. Thank you Thank so you, much. Thank you, Elliot. Thanks, guys. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or head over to mishkondorea.com forward slash jazz shapers.